Coog's house. All right. Another big win, just like we all predicted over North Florida. Things are rolling. And did I see that score correctly? Number two, UT Austin lost. What? You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougars, the podcast over at your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or a hater who came to stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below to make sure you get the latest on the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our show should pop up in your news feed each day. That way you can be sure to make Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome to the YouTube channel. Good to see you again. Um... Remember, as we get to 250 subscribers, we're up at like 133 or something like that. As we get to 250 subscribers, someone's getting a Marcus Sasser t-shirt. To get that t-shirt, we got to get 250 subscribers, so make sure you hit subscribe. And also, got to be one of the people commenting or whatever. <coughs> well, <coughs> Whoa. if you want to make sure you win that t-shirt, again, you got to be commenting. Make sure you get 250 subscribers. Um, and if you can't think of anything to say after beating North Florida, because you're like, whatever, it's North Florida... Tell us uh, whether you call them tennis shoes or sneakers. Now, today we're going to look at uh, the North Florida game kind of as a recap in the first segment because I do want to take some things away from that game, even though it's kind of blowout that we all wanted it to be. Second segment, I'm going to look at two guys in particular that are like the pro prospects on the team and kind of how their nights went uh, specifically to them because we're looking at some interesting maturation and growth out of both those guys. And then the third segment, we're going to look at, uh, yes, number two, in the country, UT Austin fell to Illinois tonight. Um, or I guess I'm recording on Tuesday night, gasp. Um, but they fell, and so we're going to talk about like, what that means for the Cougs and kind of what that means going forward for the like topsy-turvy randomness of the top of college basketball. Excuse me. But we're going to start with a game recap here. Now, the final score was uh, 76-42 to Cougs uh, over the North Florida uh, am I am I pronouncing this right? Uh, Osprey, Osprey. I did not know that mascot before tonight. Um, but impressive, frankly, on their behalf. There was a couple things that the Osprey did well, um, and I don't want to act like I mean they lost by thirty four points and Houston pulled their starters fairly early on and those kinds of things. But I do think it's just pointing out like uh, <laughs> bluntly they shot better from three than Houston did. Um, they shot nine to twenty four for thirty seven half percent. Houston shot six to twenty for thirty percent. Um, and, like, I probably would have guessed, even after a rough weekend offensively against St. Mary's, that Houston would have done better shooting the ball than North Florida just because of the Houston defense. I would have thought would have, like, run North Florida off the line and da 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 da, da. Right. Um, they didn't. Uh, the other thing I think it's interesting in looking at, like, more team stats in this game is that, um, obviously, Houston ter- made North Florida turn the ball over a lot more. I believe my count here is that Houston forced North Florida into 20 turnovers and Houston themselves had only eight turnovers. I saw online that uh, Chris Gardner was seeing out stats and mentioned that uh, North Florida got like 10 points off of their eight turnovers and Houston got like 20 something off of their, um, it maybe it was like 18 off of their 20 because it wasn't quite one point to one turnover kind of thing. And I can see Kelvin Sampson now in film room on Wednesday, like guys, 
this is unacceptable. They're getting more points. They're valuing the basketball more. They're doing all those kinds of things. Um, schematically, I think I'm watching this game. What's interesting is that about the 14-minute mark of the first half, North Florida goes to a zone. And they're not particularly athletically – they're not the same kind of athletes as Houston has, right? Um, but I think the zone's interesting because I think like – I mean, everyone, a lot of people played high school basketball, right? Like, you think of the zone as being kind of like a way to match athleticism, like to slow the game down and those kind of things. It makes total sense. And, frankly, zones have, to date, kind of slowed down Houston in a weird way because Houston then kind of starts relying on threes. And there's days that Marcus Astor is hitting. There's days that he's not. There's days that Terrence Arsenal is hitting. There's days that he's not. There's days that Jared Walker is hitting. There's days that he's not. And suddenly it's like, ooh, which days are lining up? And can you just like be rolling the dice right if you're a team playing Houston? And I was encouraged. First of all, I don't know why it took six minutes for North Florida to go to a zone. And then I don't know why they never got out of it. <laughs> um, Houston had a great job. And initially they came out in a 2-3. Then they went to 1-3-1. They did spend some more time in a 2-3 when they really kind of like just slightly altered their 1-3-1. Their 1-3-1 actually had some cool rotations in it uh, up top. Degress, getting a little basketball nerdy. But what I will say is, is that... Houston exploited their one-three-one zone. In a one-three-one zone, you typically have two guys in the paint as a defense, and it works really well in college basketball because there's no defense at three seconds. And Houston managed to go high-low on them for big lobs to JVA Francis right off the gate. Uh, they put Walker in there at the nail free throw spot and let him go to work a little bit, creating. Uh, they set screens on the top guy and then forced the defense to rotate really, really awkwardly. And again, they had a lot of um, in the one-three-one from. The high post and the low post across the paint uh, using ver- verticality because they're a little bit better athletes. And then they also managed to get the ball into the corner to suck the defense out to the corner, pump fake or whatever, and get the ball down low as well. They had a great, great day getting the ball into the block. And frankly, <laughs> after seeing Jawan Roberts over the weekend over Saint, against St. Mary's dominate the game the way he did, uh, you know, he only had six and six today, six points, six rebounds today. Um, Jarris Walker had uh, 12 points and 10 rebounds pre ESPN. I saw someone tweet out he had 14 points. I think ESPN, I'm gonna, the one I'm gonna go with. Um, but you also had like off the bench, JVA Francis had 14 points and four rebounds, right? He had a big offensive day working that low block on the backside as we went high low in the zone, right? Um, other big guy, Reggie Cheney, he got his four points and six rebounds. Um, Cheney's more of the like defensive energy guy, but he I, he only played twelve minutes and got his his own four points six rebounds. I, I think what was interesting there is you saw like it's distributed fairly well across those four bigs. Um, we still haven't seen Darius Bowser in the game yet. We still, I'm sorry, the game's over. We still didn't see Darius Bowser in the game. I wonder, um, you know, he was in street clothes over the weekend. I wonder how well he's doing. We mentioned the sickness going through the team and those kinds of things. Um, anyway. I, Houston being on a B-Day zone, I think people are going to write off like, oh, it's just North Florida, whatever. Um, but schematically, that was how Oregon had slowed Houston down, right? Schematically, Kent State had moments in a zone that really made Houston look out of sorts, right? We've seen – St. Mary's just plays really good defense. I don't mean to, like, make them a zone versus a man team. They did whatever they wanted to very well defensively, um, except for cover J. Warren Roberts. But on the whole, it did feel like – zones if you could do it effectively were giving houston trouble and houston managed to beat this one while shooting the three ball for houston relatively poorly and i I think that that's really important to take away 
from this because honestly, there will be a game. I mean, they may not play like Jim Beheim Syracuse, but there will be a game in March where they play someone that runs his own. And there'll be a game in March where they shoot the ball poorly. And if those two games overlap, you have to find a way to win because there's no other way to go about it. Right. And Kelvin Sampson has said as much like, you know, things look really good when their shots are falling and it's about finding ways to win when they're not. They found a way to win this game in dominant fashion, like they should while breaking the zone down. Now is if Memphis runs zone against Houston and they play each other twice in February. Yes. Those would be better zones both times. But I think the thing that it's important to take away from this is that like schematically they're finding the right stuff. They're getting layups and dunks. And I think that's, what's really important here. Um, speaking of things that are really important here these days, Every potential new hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. Uh, you want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs uh, is the best place to find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs, you can add, if you're a business, you can add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile picture uh, it spreads the words that you're hiring uh, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire it's why businesses or small businesses rank link, linkedin jobs as the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates to uh, you want to find faster post your job for free at linkedin jo- linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. All right. Now, in looking at the game specifically, we, we talked in broad strokes about why I'm encouraged by being a zone and those kinds of things. Um, two player takeaways to have in this game. One is uh, Jarris Walker uh, came in. He played 26 minutes, um, which is notable because we kind of heard some lingering stuff about a hamstring and then he kind of looked like he kind of gotten, I thought maybe he was on a men's restriction. And then the post-game presser, Kelvin Sampson made it sound like he was just not really up to the task of playing with St. Mary's because the way they were playing basketball, the style of play they had. Um, and suddenly he kind of got a little more out of his shell in this game. He's still not quite uh, the muck it up kind of player. And, you know, I'm taking stuff from Andy Yanez, who was in the uh, post-game presser, but it sounds like that, you know, per Andy's words and quotes of Coach Sampson, Sampson still is looking for, like, seeing Jairus Walker play a little bit more dirty. Now, if you watched high school Jairus Walker, Jairus, again, is listening at 6'9", 230, not an ounce of body fat on him. He is chiseled, right? Like, a beast of an athlete. And so, in high school, he dominates the paint, even at IMG Academy, playing a national showcase type of schedule, right? Um, he comes to Houston, and the thing that makes him unique in Houston's system is we can put J1 Roberts in the block, and all of Jarrett Walker's stuff can happen at the perimeter because we have guys inside, right? Um, and I think he's gotten a little happy with that perimeter stuff. It's a little prettier, right? And um, I don't think Samson likes I think Samson wants to be a little bit dirtier. That's why he saw so many sets where he had uh, JVA Francis and Reggie Cheney, two backup bigs out there because, A, Jairus Roberts worked his butt off over the weekend last weekend, and we'll have to work his butt off weekend this upcoming weekend. And B, um, that's kind of the gritty, grimy kind of stuff that Samson really values. And I said when they brought Jairus Walker in, I think a five-star guy that is capable of playing the pretty kind of basketball that he is, committing to a Kelvin Sampson program, 
to come do that work is something to, it tells something about his character in and of itself, right? Like he wants to work on those things. Now it's time for him to continue to work on those things. And he's shown that, you know, he only took one three on Tuesday night and didn't go in, but he's shown that he can like put the ball on the ground and be successful scoring the ball from the perimeter. Now it's time to show that he can put the ball on the ground and be successful scoring from within four feet with a bunch of arms draped over him. And I think we're getting to that point. I wonder if Alabama is going to be um, kind of the jump off point for that. Alabama is a physical SEC basketball team. They've got high aspirations as well. The SEC's got several good teams in it. And if Alabama like wants to wants to like reach where their goals are, they got to get through Arkansas, got to get through Kentucky. Um and in doing so, I think that they really like have to kind of muck it up that same kind of style, which is, you know, aesthetically, whatever you want to make out of it, that Houston's playing a bunch of those kinds of teams early in the season. Um, but Jarris Walker's going to get a chance to show off with that because he is built physically and capable of doing both kinds of things, the pretty game and the muddy game. And I think that once he unlocks being able to do both within the same game, that's why so many people are so high on him. That's why he's a top 10 projected draft pick. Some people have him as high as seven. I mean, that, that's, that's the kind of kid we're looking at, right? Because he's got the ability to do both. He's just like what? 19 years, 19 years old. Once he figures out doing both. Oh my God. He's so good. Yeah. Meanwhile, defensively, he's on a team that has the best defense in college basketball, by like most metrics, as you look across, um, he's the best defense player on the team, right? Like, I guess you could say Jamal Shedd because Jamal Shedd is like a more traditional guard or whatever, but like Jamal Shedd can only, I mean, he does his best against six eights, but Jamal Shedd more or less covers one or two positions. Jairus Walker covers five and he covers them very, very well. Um, and so I was impressed by, he's starting to lean in a little bit more. And I thought it was interesting that Samson very clearly in post game said he wants more out of Walker in those instances. Um, <laughs> the critic in me wants to say like, okay, Samson, then when you go high, low, stop making him the high guy and make him the low guy. <laughs> like, like run a small lineup where you have like Tremont Mark as the four, Jairus Walker as the five and put Tremont Mark in there around the nail free throw line area and put Jairus Walker down low. Right. I see if he can do it in that sense when he's like the big man on the floor. Um, I digress. They did not. I will say that one thing on that Jairus Walker showed off in, in this, especially and I, I actually think as far as like, a, we don't have a coach's corner moment in this, but as a coach, when North Florida went zone, I think like common, I don't like thought process would be like, oh, it's easy to get rebounds. You've got a lot of guys that stay inside the three point line in their spots in the zone, right? Easy to get rebounds. However, what ended up happening and what I actually think as a coach happens more often in the zone is it becomes harder to get rebounds because when the shot goes up, you're not assigned to a person in the same way, even if you're switching and running a 55 scheme or whatever, right? And so suddenly you've got to go find somebody to block out. And Jarris Walker took tremendous advantage of that. Half of his 10 rebounds were offensive rebounds, right? Houston as a whole had 17 offensive rebounds, um, but a five or roughly almost a third. I'm a history teacher and a math teacher, but roughly a third, right? Um, <laughs> that, that's that's a sizable number for a guy to play just 26 minutes. Um I know that Samson and his his squads uh, they they count tips right how many times you get your hand on the ball and uh, I'd imagine Walker had a bunch of those I'd also imagine that uh, JVA Francis had a bunch of those he had a big big night as far as like the tips and getting his hands and fingers on the basketball kind of imply um, that's a lot about Jairus he's a pro 
the guy that could very well be a pro right this moment, but decided to come back to Houston is Marcus Sasser. And he continues to run into bad luck. Um, so over the weekend, we mentioned briefly in the show on Monday because Sampson acted like he wasn't worried about it on Saturday night. Sasser had a weird, his left uh, left shoulder uh, issue where it like, popped in and out really quickly during the game. And so he didn't quite finish the game against St. Mary's. He came out like 90 seconds left or something like that, right? Um, but Samson wasn't worried. So I said I don't need to be worried because Samson's fairly blunt and honest. So I'll take him as his word for it, right? Um, and then on Tuesday, Sasser's out there, hits his first couple shots, and just eight minutes of play, scored 12 points. Um, hot off the bat in the course of the game, I guess at the 10th point of that was he broke a 1,000 points for his career at Houston. When you factor in the fact that he missed a lot of last season hurt, suddenly like, oh man, he scores a lot of points per game because they only play 30, 35 a year, and he missed most of last season. Like, oh, oh man, he scored 1,000 points really, really quickly. However, he takes like... <laughs> I can tell it was an elbow, a follow through of a form to the nose, trying to go steal a post inbounds pass or post entry pass, catch one in the face. And I thought like based on the blood, it was, it must be a bloody nose. Like just like caught it, like cracked it. Maybe we're going to have like the masked up version of Marcus Sasser later this week. And it, they said that he got like a laceration and he had to go get like five stitches um, now, Stitch is the kind of thing he'll play with them on Saturday, right? I, I don't mean to imply that, like, there's a sort of a, maybe hopefully a cool looking scar. I don't even mean to say there's anything crazy going on, but like, God, we're only what was the win? That was our ninth game of the season. And that's another thing that goes wrong with, like, man, like, <laughs> what, what did Sasha do wrong to deserve this kind of stuff? Um, I will say that those team Houston didn't need Marcus Sasha to go play with. And so, A, that makes me encouraged about his shoulder because had they thought they needed to rest his shoulder, there'd have been no reason not to rest his shoulder on Tuesday night. So clearly they think he's ready to play. That wasn't just Kelvin Sampson blowing smoke. It was never going to be him blowing smoke. That's not what he does, but one that the other thing I'll say too, is that um, I, I guess hopefully the laceration to the face, a heals well, but then B means like, it's not like another kind of injury. Like, between Tuesday and Saturday's game against Alabama, he'll just be healing his body up, right? Um, and so, like, if I were going to be a gambler of sorts, I'd imagine he's a full go for um, for, for Saturday. Sorry. Um, but I do think that if you're a gambler of sorts, you should go to betonline.com. Net. Now, BetOnline.net is a fun site that's got all the different types of things you'd want as a sports better. It's your number one source for betting sports, stats, info, uh, analysis, news. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur sports league out there, from football to basketball to soccer to esports. It's all on BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcast, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You can find those BetOnline as well. Uh, it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Hit the website today or use mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Now, as I look up and down the odds for betonline.net, what I think is particularly interesting is that they tend to not have the coups a whole lot. Um, but I do think that if I look at like the NFL lines from the upcoming weekend, um, first of all, the NFL is like super, super fun to place money on. And um, as I look at where to go, as I look at these games excuse me, um, for next week. Uh, the 
Las Vegas Raiders are playing the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night. And uh, the Rams, who just had to go like a quarterback situation where they got to go get Baker Mayfield, are actually a home dog. Now, I have to say that, A, I still think of that team as being fairly good. I know that not the Super Bowl champion contender they were a season ago. But I also feel like Baker can come in and maybe, I don't know if he'll do anything this Thursday, like signing him on a Tuesday, playing him on Thursday is not great. That tells me a lot about their quarterback situation. And if he's not able to play because it's such a short turnaround, even a six-point dog, I think I'm going to take the Raiders, what I'm saying, right? The Raiders are favored by six points. I think I'm still going to take them. I probably hit the under, the, the over-under set at 44 and a half. Uh, I, Raiders tend to win ugly games and the Rams tend to not score a lot of points as of late. So I'm going to take the under there, but I'm still thinking the Raiders. Um, I feel awkward taking a, a home or betting against a home dog. The home dog has been great this season, but that's my betting two cents. Take the Raiders, take the under this Thursday. All right. So the last, but certainly not least thing here is, as big and as fun as beating North Florida and Houston was on Tuesday, there was another really big game happening in the state of Texas on Tuesday night, just over across I-10 a couple hours. Um, University of Texas at Austin lost to Illinois. And I think a lot of people in the stands were checking their phones because the score, you know, just sent to you, is that really what happened? Um, but yes, they lost to Illinois in Austin on Tuesday night. Um, less than a week after their big Creighton win, uh, Creighton obviously being a top 10 team. That was a, a, a game that some people thought, I think some people thought I saw should leapfrog Houston, right? They should like, Oh, if Texas can be the top 10 team. Then they've got to be the number one team overall. Houston is just a, t- you know, two, three, four. So it's gotta be something, but you Texas, like people are putting Texas over Houston in a number of different, um, like not, not necessarily the AP poll. We saw a bunch of like writers doing it. Right. Um, and so Houston was number one in the AP poll, and some people like a little upset about it, whatever, get bent. But what I do think is interesting there is that Texas then turns around and loses. And I'd be lying to you if I said I thought Houston was going to go undefeated. I imagine that there's a conference loss coming. Um, and I don't say that because I have a team plotted out that I think is better than Houston. I don't. I think Houston's the best team in college basketball. But what I do think is, is that like, just because you are the best team in college basketball doesn't mean you win every game. Right? Just because you're supposed to win a game doesn't mean you win it either. And frankly, at some point, Houston relying so much on uh, Jarrett Walker, Terrence Arsenal, a couple young guys could come back and hurt them. I also think being, you know, as long as they are, as tough as they are, as athletic as they are, being a little short may hurt them at some point too. And so I say that to say that I, I don't know they're going defeated. At some point, Houston loses. And at some point, they get bounced. But seeing UT Austin do it on Tuesday, I weirdly think is this wake-up call for um, a U of H team that might not think they need it. And uh, Samson probably, I'm sure, like will use it as such. But at the end of the day, all these teams are going to lose, right? And it can happen to you on any night. Everyone, Everyone's a Division One college basketball team. Everyone practices too, right? It can happen to you on any night. And I think the interesting thing there is that, like, it was not that Illinois was a trap game by any stretch. I think they were also in the top 20. Um, it was immediately following like their biggest win of non-conference on their schedule, right, for Texas. And so I think that's the kind of thing that Houston and Samson can use as kind of like their, like, hey, don't let this happen to us kind of moment. I also think it's worth pointing out that like 
bluntly, there's two programs that are very much following each other. They scrimmaged in the preseason, right? Uh, shortly after practices started, they went and scrimmaged in San Antonio. Remember that we spoke with Andy Yanez, uh, who had some insight on that a couple, it's been a month ago at this point. Go back and check that out. It's just an audio only episode from when we just started, but go check that out. Um, they're Texas is really athletic and Illinois is kind of not didn't matter. Right. And so Houston can watch that and like, Oh, this connect. like, there's a lot of takeaways that Houston can make from that because that could easily be Houston in one of these other games. I mean, like bluntly we play Alabama or the weekend and Alabama is more athletic than Illinois. So I think the matchup is not quite the same in that sense, but you could see how that would play out the same way. Um, the other thing I think is interesting here is everyone wants to see Houston play Virginia one versus two. This just became the balls in our court, right? If Houston does their part and beats Alabama and uh, and then wins, I forget who they can play next week on Tuesday. It's another one. It's, it's not quite North Florida. Um, but if Houston can beat Alabama and then turn around, um, <clears throat> uh, turn around and then beat uh, North Carolina A&T on Tuesday of next week, they go into Virginia and feed it. Right, it's the balls in their court. Beat Alabama, beat North Carolina, guarantee you're undefeated, and they get to play Alabama at home. Right, Virginia is kind of in the same boat. Um, Virginia has certainly not got an easy schedule, um, but they they play. Um, I'm reading this correctly. Oh, they're playing James Madison tonight. I don't have the stats from that game, but I'm imagining Virginia beats James Madison. James Madison's a good basketball team, though. So pay attention to that. And anyway, um, that means very suddenly you're looking at like two very strong basketball teams being undefeated, assuming that Virginia beats James Madison tonight. Um, Tuesday night, I should say. So by the time you listen to this, that's live. I'm assuming they win that game. James Madison's good, not that good. Suddenly you've got one versus two, right? One versus two in Virginia for, frankly, like what will probably end up being the number one ranking for a while. Um, because of win versus the other. One of these teams beating the other shapes up to be a pretty big one. The resume as big as it gets. And then like <laughs> some of these teams are fun. But like after the Virginia game, Houston plays like SMU, UCF, Tulsa, McNeese State, Cincinnati. Right. And not like Cincinnati of like Kenyon Martin, Cincinnati. So what I'm getting at is like there's a very long time there where conference teams play you different. But Houston will kind of be kind of holding on to these pre-conference wins. Um, And so I bet that Virginia one becomes really big. Right. Um, So balls in your court, Houston. Right. Beat Alabama. Beat North Carolina A&T. Go play Virginia. One versus two for all the marbles. Show it off. Um I, I think that's important, and I think that's important, A, for the program as a whole. I think it's important for Samson as well. And I think it's important for a mid-major, uh, for whatever that's worth, that label's worth on Houston, because that's what you want, right? That's when Houston signed up to go to the Big 12. I mean, there's the money and the da 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 all those kinds of things. But you want to go get to play against the best of the best. The Big 12 is a phenomenal – Big 12 is the best basketball conference there is. It's got uh, – Baylor won uh, – Kansas won it last year. Baylor won the year before – one of them probably wins it in the canceled COVID season. And Texas Tech was a finger touch away in overtime from winning in 2019. Like, it's the best conference in college basketball that we're heading into. And it's a chance for Houston to show they really belong. Now, Houston's going. It doesn't matter if they win, lose, tie, or draw that game. They're still going to go to the Big 12 next year. But as far as, like, the confidence in moving in, that Virginia game was like, hey, we can play with the big dogs, the ones, the twos, the threes, the fours, the fives. 
just like all y'all, right? So I think that's really important. Um, I don't mean to get too far ahead of ourselves. We got Alabama this Saturday. That's the next big basketball game on campus. First of all, it's not the next big game for the city of Houston or for the U of H. Make sure you're following the volleyball team, the volleyball teams in the Sweet 16, and playing phenomenal. Sports Center top 10 play when the girl jumps to the table, knocks the table down, gets back in the play. It's a great, great thing. Go check that out. U of H Cougar Volleyball is killing it. Um, but the next big basketball game is Alabama this Saturday. To help get us ready for that, uh, you're listening to this on Wednesday. On Thursday, we're going to talk to Ryan Monceau. Uh, he's going to tell us about the NIL deals coming through the U of H, talk to him about the transfer portal, talk, 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 some, talk to him also about the basketball team. So make sure you check out the episode on Thursday. On Friday, we're going to talk to a buddy from Locked on Bama to t- start to preview that basketball game. Um As Alabama's moving into basketball season earlier than they normally do over there, Uh Shout out to the Tide, I I guess. That feels a little icky. Um, but we're going to talk to them on Friday. Um, we're also working to get a bonus episode out with a T-shirt designer. Yes, the same T-shirt designer does the Marcus Hassett T-shirt that we're going to give away when we have 250 subscribers. Speaking of getting 250 subscribers, make sure you subscribe down below. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. You can talk to me about the Cougs, the Rockets, the Astros, the whatever you want to all year. I got sneakers. We talk about sneakers. I got my sneaker wall behind me. I always plug that because I like talking shoes online. You do all that with me at Painsworth five one two. That's P A I N S W O R T H five one two on Twitter, Instagram, and all your favorite social media channels and platforms. I love talking with people out there on Twitter, going back and forth about things like shoes or the Rockets and Astros. Um, don't the Texans? The Texans grind my gears. We'll see what happens with them. Um, but as we keep on going, thank you so much for subscribing and making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. For a second listen, I'm going to recommend going back and listening to Tuesday's episode specifically of Locked on Rockets because Jackson Gatlin did a great job breaking down a fun Monday night win by the Houston Rockets over the Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden and Daryl Morey and all that fun, you know, memory kind of stuff so go check out that episode jackson it's a great job it's a great show locked on coups is the primary locked on podcast network that means your team or in our case the number one team every single day go coups <laughs>